Hello and welcome to Cure Here, a podcast where I interview weirdo artists, writers, and makers about what they do. I'm your host, Keir Adrian Gray, and our guest for today's inaugural episode is Nate Nate Nainers, a writer, community builder, and all-around sweethearted perv. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Nate. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. We're happy to have you. Uh, you have a book coming out with Warfinger's Press, complete with illustrations by Chani B., it's gonna be sick as hell is the title. Tell us about it. Yeah, um, let's see. I started writing it in 2020. Um, I'm a Serb baby. I sucked on the teat of Justin Trudeau for six months. And that was my, <laughs> that was my, uh, my little sneak peek into what universal basic income could be. And um, I was like, hey, why not um, do something different? <laughs> so, I, so I just started <laughs> writing. Um, it was great. Uh, I, uh, I've always been a writer, but uh, I don't know. I just reconnected with it and just kind of got into a flow, uh, pumped out story after story after story, uh, called Chance. Chance and I somehow got in touch and we just started talking on the phone and um it was supposed to be like a 10 story zine now it's like a 28 story book um and uh yeah it um I didn't really have the intention of it being about masculinity but uh when I kind of like Look, take a step back from the project um take a step back from my writing it's like yeah there really is like this strong theme of masculinity and masculine issues um I don't hit all the big topics I don't hit all the um what's the word uh yeah I, I'm not hitting all the the, the hot issues, but um, I'm hitting the issues that are hot to me, Keir. So. <laughs> what a great way to put it. The issues that are hot to me, personally. That's, yeah, that makes know. sense. It's just, what, it's just what came out. I'm a very, like, want to be... Um, I find my writing... Um, when I, I... I have tried to write as a way to speak to certain issues before. Um, and when I am intentionally saying, I'm gonna speak about this issue or whatever, I notice my writing suffers in a way. Mm. It, it doesn't become, uh, it does, first off, it doesn't flow very well as like writing it. And then two, I don't even really have anything all that interesting to say about it. I'm just kind of saying what everyone else is saying about it. And I was like, cool, good job, me. I wrote a story that every that says something everyone else is saying. So mm -hmm. I just decided let everyone else say it better than me. And I'll just kind of work on what 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 I'm writing. So well, and I just don't think we can go too much farther without giving people a taste of exactly what came out when you decided to write from yourself. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, would you would you tell us a story? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I got a little story in here called Danger Crab. And uh, it goes a little something like this. Okay. Work was brutal one summer. I felt like throwing in the towel multiple times, but I decided to use that towel to mop up the blunders and fuck ups. But the mopping took a toll. So by the end of the season, I was worn out and tattered. Yes, I had tried yoga and juice cleanses and meditation, even went on a weekend Zen retreat, but I was still stressed out. So I did what everyone does when they're at their wits end. I went to the beach for answers, but no matter how many times I baptized myself in that crisp ocean, the spirit did not fill me. But then I caught the sight of an old woman meditating on a log. She looked serene, as if everything was as it should be. Should have been doing that daily, I thought. So I sat on the same log and reminded myself, now is always the best time to return to the practice. Truly, the world is full of teachers if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Her stillness and commitment encouraged me to breathe thoroughly. At first, my lungs were tight, but each exhale let out more and more turgid air until my chest was relaxed. At that moment, my body was tranquil, yet what raced through my mind was looming deadlines, pending phone calls, and my boss's knee-jerk reactions to any and all blips and blunders. I thought maybe a beer would do the trick. Just one to six beers to clear the mind. But just as I stood up, I felt a sharp pinch on my bum. Snip, snip, cried the old woman with crouched legs and a straight back, her arms upright at 90 degree angles. I'm the danger crab. Her face looked completely serious. Yes, the world is full of teachers. So instantly I remembered the antics of the Zen master from the retreat. Maybe this was her koan. Maybe this whole summer led up to this teaching moment in a display of karmic webs. I felt intimidated by her spiritual confidence. So I awkwardly bowed to her in response as a thanks for reminding me of the now. But she scuttled behind me and pinched my bum again. Danger crab, danger crab, she cried. So I mumbled, one must pinch through the ego to find yourself, I said, rigidly bowing again. But she pinched my bum a third time, then scuttled sideways down the beach, pinching everyone else's bum, announcing she's the danger crab. That's when I realized that she could very well be insane. But surprise to me, everyone loved it. Everyone thought it was hilarious. Some of them even wanted pictures of their butts being pinched by this completely deranged woman. Perhaps it was Alzheimer's or dementia or a whole host of other mental illnesses cutting her off from reality. I'm the danger crab, she cried as she chased a giggling and screaming little girl, pinching her legs. Danger, danger, she hollered as I felt more and more sorry for her. Ah, uh, yes, said an old man who I didn't notice was sitting near me. There goes batshit Betty. Always something interesting with that one. Is she all right? I asked, motioning to my head. Are you all right? 
he asked, leaning in, motioning to his head too. I've been better, I sighed. You know, he whispered, you could be a danger crab. Oh, that's not really. The old man stood up that interrupted me by putting his bum in front of me. Go on, be a danger crab. I tensed up, but the old man's eyes twinkled as he chuckled. What else were you going to do? I found myself talking to his bum, my words stiff and wooden. I was going to have a drink, I think. His bum bounced with laughter. Have a drink and do what? Bitch and whine about work? I was embarrassed he knew so quickly. So I began to describe how hectic my job was. But he just bounced his bum, humming a little tune while coyly saying to himself, I sure hope there's no danger crabs here. So just to shut him up, I pinched his bum. But he whipped around and commanded me not to smile, which caused me to smirk against my will. I said no smiling, he boomed. Nope, no smiling on this beach, and don't even think about laughing. Hey, cut that out. Absolutely no giggling. Then he had a look of horror on his face. Oh no, you really are a danger crab. Then he shouted to everyone nearby. Everyone look out, there's another danger crab here and he'll pinch your bum. Everyone joined in calling out, oh no, not another danger crab. So bending to the will of the crowd, I crouched down with my back straight, my arms upright at 90 degree angles. I slowly scuttled towards the old man while everyone cheered me on. And when I pinched his bum again, Everyone burst out laughing with attaboys while I blushed. Then a little boy ran up to me and giggled, You can't catch me, danger crab. So what was I to do but chase this little boy around the beach while more and more children joined in the fun, all of us laughing and screaming and losing track of time. And no, danger crabs are much too busy to think about work. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I uh, had a, I was really not trying to interrupt your audio with laughing and it was extremely <laughs> difficult for me. And I think I made a lot of really ridiculous faces <laughs> while I was trying to do that. <laughs> so that gives a really excellent taste of it's gonna be sick as hell. Um, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And <laughs> one thing that I really enjoyed, and I noticed this the first time that I saw you tell a story, it was on stage in the lobby of the ACT Theater in Maple Ridge. And your story started off realistic as if you were telling, you were recounting something that had happened to you. And then at a certain point, it just took this completely surreal twist and careened off in this other direction. And I'm really curious. It was striking. It was striking to me uh, the first time I saw it. And it was striking again in this book. So I was wondering, like, is this like a technique that you have consciously chosen? Or is it something that just 
bubbled up from the nether regions or? Um, I am a shameless tall tailor and um, I tall tail uh, in any opportunity I can get um, is conversational for me. Um, so yeah, it's, it makes for good writing, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's a little conscious. I definitely say it's a little conscious. Um, I do, uh, I like to see, my, my favorite thing when I'm telling a tall tale um, on stage is to see at which point is it too ridiculous for the audience. You know, uh, when that when do they clue in that this has all been a ride and none of this is true or very little of it is true. <laughs> and uh, I know that's just my I just love seeing that. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's how I get my kicks here. <laughs> 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 you certainly do. I've I've heard some tales of uh, co-worker interactions. And one thing I, <laughs> it's particularly the food doula. I don't know if that is something that you feel like sharing at this moment. <laughs> I can share it. I can share it. Be my guest. So um, April Fool's is my favorite. I think it should be a holiday um, but April Fool's Day is my favorite tradition ever. And um, I really kind of go wild on that day. Um, and I um, told people at work that I'm a food doula, that I'm going to LA to learn how to be a food doula. And everyone's like, oh, what's what's that like you know at first they're kind of oh interesting like food doula I'm like yeah yeah like I help with the passage of food and they're like what <laughs> I'm like yeah like you know how people get plugged up and everything they need they need a food doula they need a food doula to kind of like help them with their diet do some like deep spiritual cleansing like a human laxative if you will yeah, I really guide them through this, like, it's a really uncomfortable experience to be plugged up, you know, so I get them on their stirrups, and I just help them breathe, and I help them uh, carry this food baby to term, and uh, yeah, I was telling that, and uh, everyone believed me, <laughs> <laughs> And I told it to this one older guy. I told it to this one older guy at work. And uh, he was like, oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, like, uh, how, how much do you get paid for that? I'm like, oh, in LA, you can get like $10,000 a pop. He's like, well, sounds like you got a career then. Like, all, all the power to you. <laughs> but uh, how wholesome what a wholesome <laughs> response to a complete bs to be like well to each their own good for you <laughs> it's delightful and uh one thing that i i loved about um it's gonna be sick as hell is a lot of it takes place in these working class job scenarios and there's 
there are really interesting interactions. Like it, it's like you're taking you're taking a construction site or a factory floor as um, a legitimate place of inquiry, both <laughs> literarily <laughs> and slapstick wise. <laughs> That, that's something I really enjoyed as someone who's worked in, you know, kitchens and a variety of, uh, of, of these types of places. I don't, I don't see a lot of stories that, that take place in those, those sorts of environments. Yeah, I feel like um, a lot of the writers that get attention are kind of like office workers because they have spare time at their desk mm -hmm. and so they can spend hours and hours while being paid to work on <laughs> to work on their stories um, or their students, you know, their students. And um, but yeah, I don't know. It um there there and you see it a lot in like Hollywood, especially where everyone is upper middle class, has giant houses, has uh, <laughs> like these amazing careers and everything like that. And uh, that's just not my experience and I don't want to pretend it's my experience I don't want to pretend I know what that experience is about and if someone wants to write about that you know all the power to them but um, I am a naturally curious person I'm naturally a bit of a trickster so I do like to see all the fun that's had in these sort of situations because um people I feel like people kind of get into these sorts of jobs and then they get depressed that they're um they're not like some business exec or something like that I have a co-worker like that right now who is losing money left right and center trying to get into bitcoin and um trying to get into like he wants to be a day trader and he is always losing money and it's like, hey, man, like, this is actually, like, this isn't a bad job where we don't have much demand on our, on our minds, on ourselves, or whatever. And we just get to have, a, even on our most chaotic days, I forget about that job five minutes into my <laughs> home. And I get to come home uh, and I yes. get to work on, I get to work on stories and everything and um yeah it is and i don't know there's just so many interesting characters in places like these and um i what i really appreciate about grunt labor um is that you get some pretty raw people you know that it's not customer service it's not like you don't need to know email speak or anything. You just kind of say it. You, you say however you are feeling in that moment. You can go into work with a really sour mood or whatever. And people are like, okay, well, as long as the boxes are being stacked, <laughs> I don't give a shit if Tom's in a bad mood or if like Diane is even like even hangovers or whatever people people <laughs> so yeah it brings in colorful yeah. characters you know where and i find yeah just that freedom to just kind of 
be however you want to be in that moment. That freedom is, I, I have worked office jobs and um, it's kind of, yeah, everyone's being fake with each other, you know, in a way. And everyone's trying to keep appearances that they have their cool, their cool, calm and collected and everything. Um, but they're just people too, you know, they want to, yeah lash out they want to say like they want to yell at a customer or a client or something and tell them to fuck <laughs> off and stop wasting their time but they do that privately and only with trusted people that they can trust that that conversation won't get to the boss or won't get to hr yeah. or something there's all this like secretive and so i do think like the office is an interesting place but that's just not where my interests are mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, I've never really thought before about how in office jobs, there is this certain expectation that you're like micromanaging your emotions and people, I think, generally choose quite carefully what they share and and what they don't. And, and mood is huge. I mean, in certain work environments, yes, you will get in trouble if you're grumpy, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, front facing, you know, customer service type of stuff. So it is interesting. And that's like, that's another part of these jobs that you really bring in is like the types of conversations, right? Like there's, there's some really profound stuff. There's also some vulgarity and the way it all (laughs) (laughs) comes together is, uh, is really striking, I think. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think um, I've had some beautiful moments working in landscaping or warehouses or or wherever um i've had some real connections with people and um i think you can connect with you can just connect with anybody if you're willing to be real enough Mm -hmm. and um it's way easier doing it landscaping (laughs) (laughs) i've had some pretty interesting heart-to-hearts with landscapers and stuff Mm. you know because they're willing to tell you that um they came into work off of and they're like hungover and that they had a cocaine bender the night before or that Mm -hmm. they're like all this type of stuff you know and people are like okay cool well like let's let's pick some weeds (laughs) (laughs) well and that's you know i think uh Another thing that just felt very different to me about your book was the way that like you're also bringing yourself into these spaces and you're writing about queer people, right? And I think I've read a lot of uh, stories about queer characters who are maybe at a dance party or um at a potluck or and everywhere is interesting but I I don't think I realized until I read your book that I was missing stories about queer landscapers or navigating (laughs) queerness at a construction site Um, we are back after some minor technical difficulties so uh one thing I found compelling is the way that you bring queerness into the landscaping jobs and the factories. And I hadn't realized until I was reading your book how rarely I've seen that before. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I am queer. I am bisexual. My gender is gorgeous, is, uh, <laughs> the, which is the technical term. Um, yeah, and I am open at my workplaces, uh, which are traditionally very heteronormative and uh, to top it off, very patriarchal. And um, yeah, I, I, it's not like a mission of mine to like turn this space queer, but I am queer, I am in this space, I am allowed to be myself in this space. So um, here I am, you know, and deal with it. And I've had lots of inter very interesting <laughs> conversations with uh, people who could be closeted themselves or whatever, but um, when I first started exploring my gender expression and kind of coming to terms with that, um, I had a coworker that was giving me the whole like, oh yeah, well, I, I identify as like some sort of war helicopter or something like that. And which was a meme. I've seen this meme a little bit in like some incel Reddit communities. Right. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, and, and even even just just the other day, I had a coworker that told me, um, "I'm I'm actually not queer. Um, that I'm oh, not really? queer. That I'm actually a straight man, and um, and that everything I'm doing is pretending. Um, and you know, it's I I had a talk like at first, I don't know, with that coworker." Um, we had already built a relationship. Like we had already built kind of like this camaraderie. We cracked lots of jokes with each other. And kind of what I saw in that interaction is this guy, definitely a guy, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. I mean, who knows what's going on for him, but um, is that there's a conversation going on and he is sussing me out if he can really tell me what he thinks about everything you know mm -hmm. and we're actually having he's being honest about what he thinks of uh, his ideas of what queerness means that if I was really queer I'd be wearing dresses I wouldn't have which I do but I I, <laughs> I wouldn't have the beard I would have makeup I would have high heels I would have he had this very like elaborate sort of like what I should be doing um, and it's like, okay, well, we have already made a connection over shooting the shit. And now the conversation's getting more real and definitely more personal. So I'm going to keep that conversation open. And, you know, I'm not going to uh, jump down on him to, uh, and just kind of like, and I feel like, yeah, I could be justified and jumping at him and clapping back and being like, fuck you, I'm taking you to HR or whatever. But my goals is to get this guy to broaden his mind a little bit about the queer community and maybe himself. And so that's kind of been my attitude with these spaces that I move in and I'm a part of.
And that's kind of like my attitude with this book is that like all these characters uh, aren't, not, not all of them are stated as queer or are doing obvious things that are queer, but um, there is kind of like a little queer element to them. <laughs> so, and um, it's, it is kind of like a, uh, it's an act of like writing some of these stories has been kind of like an act of fantasy of, um, or even just lived experience of having um, connections like on deeper levels with, with coworkers and in those heteronormative patriarchal spaces and just being like, I'm queer and you can ask me questions. And we can, maybe you can even get into kind of like the queer mindset, you know, and be a little queer yourself. <laughs> so you don't have to be like, I don't know, it, it's kind of, I, I have some, I don't know, I, I don't want to like, I don't know, it just kind of seems like queer is definitely like a sexuality thing and a gender thing. But, um, there's also definitely like a lot of mindset in there and like there is a culture and I think that there can be cultural exchange and these stories are um, what if it was a queer landscaping company you know what if it was a queer warehouse what if it was a you know queer uh queer wild wild west <laughs> or, <laughs> or you know or if all uh, hockey dads were gay <laughs> what yeah. if there's a story about that <laughs> yeah i i love what you're saying because um i don't have a study to cite here but my understanding about how people become less bigoted and how people stop having stereotypes about groups of people is they meet someone from that group and they speak with someone and they develop a relationship of some sort yeah. of co-worker relationship or a neighborly relationship it's really difficult to hold on to stereotypes about a group of people once you actually start to meet them so there's really there's something to that and I mean if he picks up your book like just the sheer number of dicks that are sucked in there my <laughs> <laughs> give them a little something of, uh, to uh most chew valuable on. primate aren't you you're thinking of most valuable primate there's a lot of dick sucking in that one <laughs> <laughs> yes spoiler alert um but there's when you're talking about you know queer as a mindset like there's a real fluidity to your stories there's the level i spoke of earlier switching between the real and the surreal and like very easily like it works there's a flow to it um but there's also flow between profound or difficult or earnest moments to silly or ridiculous moments almost instantly and almost in a way that like gets a laugh or a gasp out of your reader um, you also move between anecdote and fable and folktale and back again. Tell me about the process that creates such fluidity. Um, 
I have the gift of the gab. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give you something. I'll give you something. That's why this so, internet, this uh, interview isn't over yet. Gift of the gab, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, hmm, my process, I mean, my process is influenced by uh, a number of things. Um, I would say, um, I don't know, I, I am a schizoaffective person, so um, I am prone to magical thinking and uh, story writing, right? Just creative fiction is a way of me um, kind of airing out those sort of tendencies. Um, but also, um, oh man, yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, process, sorry, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I did do, I did learn um, this kind of thing. Uh, it's called, uh, it could get me in the hot seat, but uh, basically, Ooh. yeah, I studied uh, very briefly um, uh, spirit journeying uh, mm. by, a, by a Celtic, uh, a Celtic, uh, she didn't call herself she called herself a shamanic practitioner and she kind of went into the language of shaman and all this type of stuff and like the history that there are no long-standing celtic shamans because they were all murdered and all this type of stuff um anyway long story short uh yeah she's taught us how to get into these trance states and uh just kind of like follow another term that she uses is um creatively engaged meditation where you just allow your mind to unfold and a narrative just happens to come up you know you get into this trance state and you open a door and now you're just kind of going through and your mind makes this story and i do that with my story writing where i start and i have no idea where i'm going with this and i don't have anything premeditated and um it just kind of goes and flows and I engage sometimes like oh it'd be really funny if this happened or like oh like what about this mm -hmm. but um it most most of the part is just kind of like just getting it it really helped me get into flow state and um and I definitely that's a very winky way of saying that I I like to have fun when I write <laughs> Because that really is, at the end of the day, my process is just writing what will be fun to write, writing what will be fun for me to read, fun for me to tell people, and um, just getting, getting really in touch with how I like to play. Um, I've moved in lots of circles where I felt like my leisurely me needs weren't being met and um, just how I like to spend time, what I would like to do with my time off and um, moved in raver scenes and moved in uh, high energy political scenes and everything and just kind of never quite met those needs, which there's a whole discussion on play therapy and all this type of stuff. And uh, writing is one of those, like it does that for me, where it's like, no one can tell me how to write 
this book. No one can tell me how to write these stories. I'm just going to write what will entertain me, trusting that other people will be entertained by it because I'm not in a vacuum. I'm not the only person like me. So um, yeah, I think honestly, yeah, forget the the spirit journey stuff. <laughs> it's, it's a sense of- it's a We'll sense just scrub of, that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a sense of play. It's a sense mm-hmm. of play and um just having going going for a rip and uh yeah that's really interesting to hear because you write good endings they're often surprising or illuminating or something and to know that that comes out of that sort of i don't know where i'll end up mindset is 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 striking um I also just love that part of your process is so counter to the advice. If you're like, how to become a writer into the internet, right? Like think of your audience and something like to write a book that's unlike anything else that I've come across could only be achieved by writing to please yourself and your particular sensibilities and and to trust that 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 would resonate outwards one thing that stood out to me was that anyone who reads sick as hell cannot even get past the dedication without encountering your sense of humor <laughs> <laughs> what why does humor matter to you or what has what does it do for you um humor humor is very healing for me and um there is kind of like a trick of the trade um that i kind of learned is uh that people people are open people open up to something after they laugh if you want to um I mean, speakers do this all the time where they crack a joke with the audience, they get them to loosen up and then they get into their lecture or they have like uh, little jokes kind of like put throughout it. Um, and I find like humor is just one, it's just who I am. I just love humor. So I'm just gonna be myself in that. But it also um, it it opens up the reader to by laughing it opens them up to uh what i'm trying to say i guess um to darker themes to um anything really yeah and (laughs) speaking of darker themes i think there's this real there's this interplay between the sacred and the profane in these stories and saying that they encounter each other that doesn't quite capture it you could almost say they are going down on each other figuratively speaking of course (laughs) (laughs) but it feels like you find a way to honor the profane without denigrating the sacred and I find that really compelling. 
I'm wondering if there is a message there. Do you think there's a message there? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell. Um, yeah, you know, um, there is, um, so my, my relationship with art, with creativity, with all that type of stuff is being a trickster. And um, one of the uh, sacred roles of a trickster is to, uh, throughout global mythology, all this type of stuff, is to literally shit on things. <laughs> um, and there is kind of this, and they figuratively shit on things too, but, um, oh, what's his name? Lewis Hyde wrote a book called Tricksters Make the World. Um, and that was really influential and validating for me and kind of gave me a, a direction that um, shitting on things is so that, uh, like if we get into like a metaphorical sense, you know, you shit on a seed and then that's like defaming the seed but then the seed is actually getting the nutrients from that shit and now it's been sprouting to something new, you know? So um, there's lots of examples of uh, the sacred being taken down a notch so we can have a new understanding of the sacred. And so we can have a new connection to the sacred um, and the shit cycle forever floweth it forever forever floweth out of my ass here spoken <laughs> like a true landscaper spoken like a true landscaper uh, but yeah but I, I really do think that like if we if we do want to see change um we do need to take we we need to be able to speak against things and um we need to be able to have a laugh at things and um and having a laugh if you have the attitude that having a laugh at this is a way to honor it so that people will come to have a new relationship with it then i think that's a great a great thing to do mm -hmm. Well, and that really sort of brings me back to you talking about masculinity as this theme that sort of emerged as you wrote these various stories. And um, I think it is a topic that has a lot of weight in the current culture wars. And I don't know how deep to get into that, but I think <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 something really important about like finding the fun in that and and um playing with masculinity and stretching it and seeing how elastic it is and oh man yeah i mean masculinity is such a rigid um attitude concept uh adoption or whatever it's it is a very rigid thing and I am AMAB, I grew up to be masculine, to be a man and all this type of stuff. And I do for kicks follow some like uh, men's advice, Instagram accounts and stuff. And it is wild how much of this information that is being shared with other men is to be cold, 
you know, to just be cold with people and to be uh, a threatening force, you know, that no one, no one wants to fuck with you. And there's, there's so much of masculinity that is like, you take up the space. So no one, it, 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 it is all, it seems like so much of it is really focused on don't fuck with me, you know, to be that protector, to be that sort of like domineering force. And like, once you get to see once you kind of clue in that like so much of this performance is just they're scared of being hurt <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. it really kind of makes it sad you know and I think it it is important to play to play with masculinity and to bring playfulness into masculinity um, because it's just a it's a human need you know like it it really is sad that there are so many men that think their time on this earth where there's so many ways to spend your time on earth and people really do think it's about being some like high octane business exec you know and just kind of just kind of like this you know and that's how they get their respect you know is um or just being super domineering or threatening or all this type of stuff. And um, yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad that these men can't just play with each other, you know? And even the games that they play with each other are like, you look at, they're all competitive, you know? There's so much, yeah. there's so much competitiveness in the leisure time with men with other men um that it's just like you're always proving yourself to the others and you're i kind of touch on that in one of the stories that nobody wants to be a loser you know there's this kind of like underlying fear of being the laughing stock the butt of the joke you know and um it's I'm on this end where I invite it. I invite being a silly Billy. Like I go to a park with a silly hat on my head and I'm just kind of like having fun. I don't care what people think my gender is. I'm just kind of like gone for it and just being myself. And um, it it really does um shake people up a little bit i i definitely get some like glares in my direction but i also get a lot of curiosity too and well um, i don't know how we got this far into this interview without talking about how you're a wizard which feels important i'm so sorry that i left that out of your introduction (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i'm a wizard um where's my pin i got a little pin there Mm. that i'm actually a wizard so you know it's official now um (laughs) because i have the pin but um yeah i started a collective an initiative or, or whatever and um, just me and my friends get together in Vancouver and we spread joy, you know, it um, for its own sake. Like one of the wizards, actually my illustrator, Chang B, when we did this wizard walk, so, so for your viewers, we, 
meet up at a place, dress as wizards, then we go on a long walk, some, sometimes like four hour walks, and uh, we interact with people as wizards, and we play tricks for them, we tell them jokes, we have one-liners or whatever. I have these magic cards that are kind of like, uh, uh, kind of like fortune telling cards, but like really absurd. Um, like uh, I think someone drew a card that said 10 butts and not one butt more. And like, what is, what does this mean? Like, you gotta think about it. This is your card. Just, just that's what the universe wants you to see in this moment. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you what it means. And um, and it's funny, Chani B really, or Ramshackle, I should say, had this beautiful moment where someone was like, why are you doing this? And Chani's response was like, because we like to, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, that's all it has to be. There's so much uh, in our society, I feel there is so much pressure to, always be um defending your actions and always like stating that you have reasons behind your actions and that you're 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 constantly trying to prove to yourself or prove to others that what you're doing is worth your time is is valuable to society or to whatever and um if you were to just tell someone because i like to then you know it kind of blows it kind of blows their mind as yeah it is um and there seems to be a trend with that at least on online spaces where it's like oh yeah you don't go to the beach because you like the sun and the water and you like swimming and you like picnics and all this type of stuff you like the sand it has nothing to do about that it's about like you know finding chicks it's about getting laid and like proving to yourself that you're an alpha male it's about like you know or it's like about doing the Wim Hof method and like getting a uh you know getting this whole thing so you can be like a high functioning hyper functioning like professional or something and it's like yeah that's why I go to the beach is for the Wim Hof method (laughs) right like optimizing even your leisure time I met a guy who um ate he ate um oh what's it called a soylent he ate this soylent product and he would eat it three times a day and all he would have to do is just make this shake because then he didn't have to think about food and then he would read but he would only read on double speed audiobooks and like you know, so he could like read quicker and then he would waste less time. And it was just like, his life was just so structured to like, and just always, always trying to make more room for time or more time for his projects. And we actually got into a bit of a a bump uh, cause like he, he was making some wild hot take or something like that. And I questioned it. I was like, ah, I don't really know about this. Like, why don't we think about this? Like, why don't we just kind of like imagine all the options of this idea and like all the angles of this idea? Let's consider it. And his response was literally, I do not have time to consider things, you know? And it's just like, that is Uh really, that is really scary 
that and he has like a podcast and he's like a popular podcast and he's oh, just no. kind of <laughs> yeah and he doesn't have to, and he's just spitting fire he's just spitting fire every week with his co-host and uh they're telling everybody how to be radicals and but he has no time to consider what he's spitting out it's just like instant reaction is this radical okay it's radical so that's what the next episode is going to be about and um yeah and it's kind of you know on one level it's sad because hanging out with that person is just only about politics and his podcast and that's all he has room for and it's like yeah like you really you know there really well it brings me back to what you mentioned at the beginning about how when you found yourself wanting to write something with a particular message you found yourself sounding like everyone else and I think there's something important there if you ask me (laughs) there there's a difference between art and propaganda And there's nothing wrong. (laughs) Wait, I was about to say there's nothing wrong with propaganda, but that sounds like something that could get me into trouble. But I think it's, it is fine to make something with an explicit message. But when we get to the point where we think all art has to do that, I think we've lost the plot. And I, I'm glad that you brought up Chani B because these illustrations are so whimsical and mischievous. And Chani B has a knack for capturing an entire story in a single picture. Yeah. Remarkable. <laughs> yeah, they they do an amazing job. Yeah, I'm really happy with them. Um, yeah, I don't know. They, it was just one of those connections that it just really, really worked out. They love my stories. I love their illustrations. Um, they're having a Warfinger's Press is actually setting up a separate web link just for Chani B. Um, so if you like Chani B's illustrations, uh, you can buy posters, either posters from the book or even just Chani B's own posters or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, they're an amazing illustrator and they are always illustrating. Like I, I've seen the birthday cards for myself and mm. for others. And like, it will just be this, they get lost. They just totally get lost in the illustration. And um, yeah, it's, they, they have a knack. Yeah. They certainly have a knack. That's, that's great to know that um, Chani B's work will be at, I believe that's warfingerspress.ca and I'll put a link down below and um where can people find you online Nate um at nate.nainers on Instagram uh I am pretty much just on Instagram uh if you want to be on my email list just dm me your email um and I can uh reach out to you if, if you're interested in joining a wizard walk or if you're into playing croquet while wearing a silly hat or if you're interested in any of the shenanigans that I get up to. Excellent and you have a book launch coming up. 
next yeah. week. Um, yeah. What are the details? Uh, May 21st at the Bookcase in Maple Ridge. Uh, it's a soft launch, but copies will be sold. Um, yeah, the Bookcase is a pretty long-standing bookstore in Maple Ridge. Uh, it just got taken over by Robin. And um, yeah, she has graciously allowed me and Chani to just kind of talk with people. I'll read a couple stories and um, I am thinking about doing like a nasal signature or something like maybe getting ink on my nostrils and like dipping them onto books for people but I also don't want to get high I don't want to get high <laughs> off the ink <laughs> so... excellent yeah. okay but I, I will sign books so I will sign copies of books May 21st, the bookcase in Maple Ridge. What time? Uh, 2 to 4 p.m. 2 to 4 p.m. Possible nasal signatures, but if not, signatures uh, with the hand. <laughs> yes, uh, just kind of regular, but special. They'll, they'll be, yeah, they're going to be special. But special. You heard it here first, yeah. folks, but special. <laughs> and boy, are there plenty of butts in. It's going to be sick as hell. Um, you can also pre-order Nate's book uh, at warfingerspress.ca. I'll put all the links below here. And uh, yeah, any last words for the people, my friend? Mm. Hmm. Uh, keep being awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have any. I, I know you just set me up for having amazing endings and everything. But... <laughs> I mean, mine was going to be stay weird, y'all. So yeah, we're on the okay. same wavelength here. Yeah. Be wild and weird. Be, be weird and wild. Yeah. Should we try and coordinate some finger guns and call it a day? Yeah, for sure. One, two, three. <laughs>